All right. Let's go on to contemplation 14. get it fixed I think on Friday I know I mean you can try it with the cold I don't know no maybe it makes iced tea Contemplation 14, it's completely wrong for me to feel anger even at those who speak against or try to destroy sacred images, shrines, or else the holy dharma, since the Buddhas and such cannot be hurt. And even too when harm is done to lamas or relatives or the like, and those who are our friends, Turn back your anger by seeing the fact that, as the way before, it all comes from causes. And so we'll go into the explanation for this. Um, and there's really, there's kind of two separate meditations here, but I think um, we can be proud of these lines if we're a Buddhist, um, because it's basically talking about, you know, like wars between different religions and and that sort of thing. Like um, one religion in India builds on a a holy temple site. And then years later, the other religion wants that space back. And so they do protests and they talk to the government. But the government's for the place that has, you know, the temple there already. And so then it escalates and they tear down the temple and, you know, people are hurt. And so all these sorts of things are done in the name of religion. And what this is saying is, according to Buddhism, there's no excuse for ever acting like that. And then the question is, so what are, what are we to do when the Chinese enter Tibet and destroy Buddhist temples? This is what this is talking about. And Master Shandidev is really clear. He gives two different logics. He talks about what are those temples made to? Who is in a Buddha's statue? And where's the Dharma? What are the three jewels? So say, Konchuksum. Konchuksum. So that's the three jewels, rare, supreme, three. 
And we're talking about not getting angry when others attack holy objects. So the first one, the Buddha jewel, is mainly talking about the Dharmakaya or the emptiness of a Buddha's mind. And so that emptiness is what enables him or her to become omniscient and eternally blissful. So that's one thing that we're taking refuge in. Um, and the emptiness of the mind, we have that now. So that's one thing that we have that is similar to the Buddha. So when we're taking refuge in the Buddha, we're mainly talking about the state of mind of a Buddha. Mainly it's the emptiness of the mind. It's not the physical body that we're talking about. That's the ultimate Buddha jewel. And the emptiness of the mind, if it wasn't empty, if it was self-existent in some way, it couldn't have been created. We talked about this last week. Um, if it wasn't empty, then our mind could never change. Because it's empty, we can become a Buddha, and we will. And really, the emptiness of Buddha's mind is the most important part. Mm -hmm. So the point is, that part cannot be affected by any event in the universe. Impossible. What can, you know, it can't be affected by anyone physically attacking a stupa or a statue. It doesn't touch the Buddha at all. You can't hurt the Buddha. So should we be angry at people who smash a temple or the Chinese who invade Tibet? and do all of these terrible things. No, because it cannot hurt the Dharmakaya, cannot hurt the emptiness of the Buddha's mind. And then what about the other two, the Dharma Jewel? Um, the apparent Dharma Jewel is the books and the teachings. So when we say apparent, then you think, okay, there must be a real one. The real Dharma Jewel is mainly the realizations that occur during the five paths. Buddhism. Could you repeat that? The, so the real Dharma jewel is mainly the realizations that occur during the five paths. Mm -hmm. Especially the direct perception of emptiness, is, which is when we're in a deep meditative state and we see directly how the world is actually working. So you can't hurt that. That can't be hurt. Those realizations, it's not like they can be hurt um, when statues are destroyed or temples are destroyed. Those realizations are untouchable. Number three, the Sangha Jewel. The apparent Sangha Jewel, this is what Geshe Michael calls it, who um, made up these courses or you know, like compiled them from the text. The apparent is anyone wearing a red suit which is talking about robes. So like the Tibetan robes. Real Sangha is anyone who has seen emptiness directly, which is that deep meditative state, seeing how reality is truly working. That cannot be hurt. 
There's no way that can be touched by anything happening outside. Could we physically harm their body? Yes, but not that direct perception that they had. So now Master Shantideva gets into what if someone does physical harm to your lama or your teacher? Or anyone or just them? So in this verse we're just talking about like the sacred objects. Yeah. And the lamas. Um... So he says, no, you shouldn't get mad at them either. Um, should we just let them do anything that they want? No. So not the other extreme either. But in the patience chapter, it does talk about it may be necessary to prevent someone from doing harm for their benefit because they'll collect bad karma. Never out of hatred, never angry at them. So it doesn't mean that we don't act. It's very tricky. The mental one, there's never an excuse or a reason to get angry. Never, ever. This was really helpful for me to go over this one. Never, ever, ever is there an excuse. So we can't get mad at the Chinese for smashing stupas. If we are angry, if we hate them, it's, not, it's just us collecting bad deeds. And our heart wants to get mad at these things. But plain and simply, according to karma, we cannot, we cannot do it. It'll just bring us more unhappiness in the future. So now, if someone attacks my lama or my teacher, Master Shantideva is very clear. And he says, as the way before. Which means that in the commentary, Gyaltsamjaya already told us where these things are coming from. So when our lama gets attacked, or we see someone like that getting attacked, for, our, for us, our real heart lama is already a Buddha. And so we already talked about Buddhas. There's no way to hurt them. So... If we're practicing really well, we'll see our lamas or our teachers as enlightened beings. Um, if we're practicing so-so, we'll see them as amazing sometimes. And if our practice is not so good, we'll see them as, you know, just another crappy person mostly. And it really depends on the seeds that we've collected because she or he, our teacher, can be all three. They'll be exactly whatever the virtue we have to see them as. Mm -hmm. So the point being, if our Lama is a Buddha, we don't have to worry about them. We don't have to defend them if they're attacked, if something happens, or start a holy war, which is basically what this is talking about, because they don't need that. Mm -hmm. The best thing from the Lama's perspective to do if someone attacks them, that's fine. Love them, take care of them, don't get angry. doesn't mean you don't try to stop them. And then the other possibility, if the Lama isn't could you, could an you, angel. Mm -hmm. we're, we're loving, 
The perpetrator? Mm-hmm. Which is exactly... It doesn't mean, though, that we're condoning what they're doing, and it doesn't mean we're not trying to stop them. But it's not out of hatred or anger. And this is kind of what... Um, you know, you hear people like who are imprisoned for decades and they have all this compassion and love for the people who imprison them. That's this sort of thing. Well, I mean, like on steroids, but you know, mm -hmm. that's this sort of thing where you're able to transform it like that. And it's not that the, they're not, there's not some harm being done. You know, it's not that these people are doing a good thing, but it's that the person who's imprisoned has this amazing mind training, which is the, I mean, the best thing we can do for ourselves is to train our mind, to be able to do that. And all of us can do that. It doesn't, it doesn't take that long. So the other possibility, if the teacher or the Lama is not a Buddha, then they're just a regular person, which is never going to be the case. But if they're just a regular person, then who's harming them really? It's their own past karma. So it's not going to do any good for us to get angry and hurt someone else over it. We're just planting bad seeds for us. So again, not that we wouldn't do anything, but not out of anger or hatred. And I think this is, an, this is an amazing view for a religion to hold, I think. There's no, um, there's no condoning anger or hatred any, like ever. It doesn't matter if um, other people are attacking your religion. It's not a reason to be angry or hatred towards anyone. Okay. Slide four. This is kind of just the summary of what we just talked about. So say Sangye, Sokla, Nu, Mina. This means you can't harm the three jewels. Buddha, etc. You cannot hurt them. You can't hurt the three jewels, so never get angry at whoever's trying to harm. It's never good karma, it's always bad karma. Even feeling, wanting to hurt them, being angry, it's never going to help. I think this is so helpful to hear over and over and over again, because we really believe the opposite. And, you know, our whole world tells us the opposite. Like, every movie, it's about revenge or uh, getting even, you know, not everyone, a lot of them. Yeah. So it's kind of, we're ingrained with the opposite. I understand that deeply. Mm -hmm. if, if a human, me, is attacked physically or hurt, the feelings arise of fear and mm -hmm. anger and the desire to retaliate. <clears throat> yeah, it is, it's really tricky, because they do. Until they don't, though. Yeah. So they do yeah. 
as we're starting to work with them, and probably for quite a long time, until we've gotten the mind training down where we are able to step back mm -hmm. and use wisdom in, you know, in whatever practice, whatever tool we can pull out of our tool, tool belt and then react differently. But it's, yeah, it's totally true. For me, for sure, that's what happens at this point. All these things do come up. But it doesn't mean we have to act on them, which can be the hardest part, probably. So it is possible to harm the nominal jewels, like a picture of the Buddha, the books, monks and nuns, but the real jewels cannot be harmed at all by weapons or harsh words, etc. Okay, we have a lot tonight. We might get through. Okay, say Neme, Neme, Sulgi, Sulgi, Kian Dakle, Kian Dakle, Girwar, Girwar, Tongne, Tongne, Trowadak. All right. That's the breakdown of what these words mean. And then we translate back to front. And this is basically Master Shanti Deva's second argument, which talks about harm caused to lamas and friends, or teachers and friends. And this would, an example of this would be like in a Dharma center like this, where people take sides and um, go to the lama or the teacher and say, don't worry, you know, I'll sabotage this person bad-mouthing you or something like that. And that's the last thing that the teacher wants any, anyone to do. It's just more bad karma. So, like we said before, if the teacher is just a regular being, which isn't the case, um, but if they are, it's happening from their own past deeds. If they're not a Buddha or an enlightened being, then the injury is ultimately coming from their own karma and not from the external source. And if they are an enlightened being, it's not possible for anything to harm them. Literally, it's not possible once you're an enlightened being. So meaning, for meaning us... Meaning even physical harm? Right. So it can enlightened <laughs> Well, it can appear, they can appear that way. But it doesn't mean that, because um, it would be in an emanation body that's coming here from their Buddha paradise. So it can appear that way, but the way they're experiencing it is not the same. All right. Yeah. Okay, let's do the next contemplation. Okay, suppose that any person derives some kind of joy from praising the qualities of another. Why, my mind, then don't you sing the praises of this person yourself and find the very same joy? The happiness of taking this joy has been admitted by all of those who possess high qualities to provide an irreproachable source of happiness. 
it's also best for gathering others. If instead you say to yourself, but now he'll be as happy and hope against his happiness, then you should deny any wages earned and all the like. You'll come to fail in both the seen and unseen. When someone praises my own good qualities, it's my hope that other person, that this other person finds some happiness too. But I have no hope that I myself should ever find the happiness that comes from praising others. By my hope that every living being should come to experience the happiness I've developed for the wish for enlightenment, why on earth does it make me angry when one of these living beings finds some happiness himself. <coughs> so that one's that one's kind of long. Um, let me see where this one's going. Okay, so we're still talking about avoiding getting angry. So suppose that we don't like someone. This is really painful, actually, what, what I'm just about to say. Suppose we don't like someone, and someone comes up and starts saying really good things about them. That is really, really hard to hear. <laughs> if you're, like, really unhappy with someone, you don't like them, and someone comes up and says how wonderful they are. So it's someone we can't stand and we're waiting for everyone to hate them and it seems like people love them. So we think we'd feel much better if everyone started complaining about this person. Master Shanti Deva says, what should you do about it? So there's some logic tricks. He says, why is this person praising the other person's good qualities? Why would they do that? And he said, because they feel happy when they do it. And honestly, that's why I praise others' good qualities, because it does, it feels good. Like it's a nice feeling to do that. So now when we're hearing the praising, we have a choice. We can be jealous or angry, or we can think about their good qualities and take joy in them. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of flip it, you know? And it's very hard, in general, to find someone who is purely evil. Most everyone is 50-50. So we can always find something good, and it will be hard, but we just do it. The more we do it, look at the good, the easier and easier it'll get. And probably we're jealous of this person. They have many fine qualities. But the question is, would we rather be unhappy, angry, jealous, or would we rather take joy in appreciating their good qualities, which feels really good? And we all know that taking joy feels way better, um, but the anger and the hatred when it comes up is really, really enticing. It's like very alluring. <laughs> So, but the, the point is, why waste our precious time? Take joy in their, their good qualities. Or if we can't take joy in, in the person's good qualities we don't like, 
at least think, oh, how lovely. This person is seeing something positive and praising it. So, you know, like, whatever we can do. So, reacting to the happiness and misfortune of others. So, sometimes we get upset or angry about the happiness or good fortune of an enemy or a person that we don't like or someone that we're jealous of. But we should instead rejoice in their successes and their good qualities. So, all of tonight we're talking about avoiding anger. Seeing and being happy about their good qualities actually will become the cause of us obtaining these same qualities. So here's what rejoicing in others' happiness will lead to. Number one, in the short run, we'll feel joy ourselves. So our mind won't be full of crap. It's concentrating on something that's sweet. And the cause, so when we feel really low self-esteem or, or kind of down, the cause of feeling better is going to be focusing on others' good qualities. The cause of negative feelings is focusing on what we don't like, which is really easy to get into. Number two, karmically, we'll be happy in the long run we'll keep meeting better and better people the more that we rejoice for others. And just like we were talking about before, start with like easy little things that you don't have much attachment to and rejoice for those things and others. Like that you don't really care that much about. Like, oh, she has like, she has such great style or, you know, like she's so friendly or he's, he's such a great friend or husband or, you know, something that's a little more distant and then we can, we'll have the power and strength, ultimately, to rejoice for those people who we're really jealous of, who we have strong feelings towards. And number three, it'll lead to having this positive, um, having this positive attitude attract others to the Dharma. This is talking about, you know, Dharma centers or temples. Because you want there to be people in temples or the Dharma centers so that the center will keep going. It'll be there for people in the future. And he... So there's different kinds of centers. There's some centers you walk into where everyone's bickering. And mostly people come to a spiritual place for a break from that. And if they find it's just the same thing, they're just going to leave. You know, ourselves included. Mm-hmm. And then you come to other centers where um, there's still the same problems, but they're not a big deal. People still love and care for each other. It's not just like everyone in that center is magically perfect. The same things are still happening, but people are dealing with it in a sweeter way. And you can, you can sense that when you come into a space. And that's the place that we're drawn to going to. 
And um, Lama Yeshe's students apparently are like this. Um, who's, he started FPMT, which is a big um, Mahayana Buddhist organization. And Elaine, who's pictured up here, who comes, she used to come more, she comes sometimes, but there is, there's just like such a sweetness about his students. Mm -hmm. You can, you can, you can really feel it. Um, it's like this heartfelt, yeah, just like sweet quality. He's not a, is he the one master or is it his teacher? I think it's Lama Zopa that's still around. Yeah. yeah. No. I'm not that, I'm really not that up on the group, so I mean, I'm connected to some of the teachers, but that's it. Um, number four. The surest way to ruin your own happiness is to be unhappy at others' happiness. So if you want to ruin your happiness in this life and in future lives, then be really upset when someone gets praised. I do this all the time at work, no joke. And it just comes up out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's... it's it really, it does, I know it's not random, but it does feel that way. It'll just be like, because I think I'm competitive, so my boss will like praise someone, and all of a sudden I'm so jealous of them, and I'm not <laughs> jealous of them in any other way or before that. It's so unpleasant. So I, so, I actively try to counter it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actively trying to counter it, but I'm not really feeling it because I'm feeling jealous. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to follow this. <laughs> this is good for them. They're, you know, they're being praised. <laughs> this is a great thing. It doesn't have any effect on me, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it's not like they're, yeah. Well, don't you think that once you recognize what you're doing, you're healing yourself just by I recognition? Do. Yeah. I do think that it's just sometimes the progress seems, you know, it's like slower. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard to know that you have thoughts of jealousy and, and hatred and anger. I know. I don't know why it's a surprise because I'm a human being. You know what I mean? Like these are the normal thoughts that human beings have. But yeah, it is. I mean, you get, you, like you feel like you should be done with them, but you're not. Well, yeah, I feel like though I get myself into this really good place. I feel like I work through all of this, and here it is again. Yeah. And then they're like, that is not me. <laughs> yep, I know. Because it's like we haven't been in those particular situations that bring it up in a while, so, yeah. and we've progressed yeah. since then. I know. It's, it's like when I, I was telling you when I came in here, it's really difficult. Okay, I'm, I'm getting to the emotion. It's really difficult, but I have to realize I haven't been subjected to some of the things I'm being subjected to. I haven't had a past that I have now. Yeah. And putting yeah. all that together, that, that can be a, a big one. And it sounds like you have... Um, you're able to step back and you have like a lot of insight I've, into it too. I've been stepping back. 
And, and that's how I know, in the stepping back, that there must be a deeper place within me to heal. Yeah. That something has happened to me. I, I recognize that I'm different now. And that's that's probably a good a good thing, but then you, you like feel the things that are happening more mm -hmm. too. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And I think it's good because that's that's one of the teachings of karma that um, none of it's personal, nothing that happens. You know what I mean? Like it's not like someone getting angry has it's a personal thing. It feels like it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, it feels like, oh my gosh, someone hates me or something, you know? But that's not what it is. It's just this ripening from the past coming up. Yes. So it is possible yes, to let say, it go. What you say, I hate now. I have grief now. Yeah. But I haven't seen it before. I have emotions is, that I haven't had before. Yeah. Which is, I think, because you're, you have the tools to deal with them now. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not given something that we can't handle. And true. It doesn't mean it's easy, and it's, no. it is, it's really upsetting. Yeah. So, trying to be happy for others when we have those difficulties coming up, which probably is all the time in little ways, whether we're noticing it or not. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, okay, contemplation, 16. Okay, this one is on taking joy in the misfortunes of those we dislike. So kind of the, the other side of the coin. And even should your enemy become upset, how then could you feel glad about it? It's not that some kind of harm has come to him or her, all caused by your hopes and wishes. Even should the suffering you wished on them come to pass, what's there to be glad at? And if you say it satisfies me when I see it, what could better ruin you? The iron hook that's jabbed in us by the fisherman of affliction is merciless, unbearable. Should it catch me, it's a certainty that hell guards keep me captive in their hell realm cauldrons. So kind of, kind of intense. This is the this is the opposite. When something bad happens to someone we don't like, and we're like, oh well, that's too bad. <laughs> you know, we're basically thrilled about it. Well, people think like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so these are the reasons why we should avoid being happy about the misfortunes of those we don't like. Isn't this so sad? Poor little guy, he's all melted. 
And it's evil friends having I know. It. <laughs> I'm I'm like the evil friend a lot, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. The first one, I find these this list very helpful. First one, rejoicing in their misfortune doesn't help us at all. It's not like something good happens to us because we rejoice in someone's misfortune. We don't all of a sudden uh, get what we want. It's not like we rejoice in their misfortune and we're happier and everything works out from us. There's nothing, it doesn't help us at all. It's just planting an ugly seed for the future. We can't take credit for their misfortune anyways. It's not, there's no reason to feel proud about it. It's not like our ill wishes made this thing happen to them. Because what we wished for happened to them, that's, so that's not how it happens. Our wishes had no impact. This thing would have happened anyways. Even if we think we had some hand in it, we have no control over it. The third is, it'll ruin our happiness in this life. Karmically, in the long run, if you want to ruin your happiness, then rejoice in other people's problems. And if all of these we're doing in some way, it may just be really small. So there's always some way where we can, we can stop it. And you see this as you get, you know, as we get older, some people uh, get more and more miserable, some get more and more happy and sweeter. And that's the cause of this sort of thing. Number four, it'll cause you to go to a hell realm in the next life. So how many hell realms are there? <laughs> I don't remember the exact number, but there's a lot. There's all different kinds. So if we want to go to some really miserable place, take joy in others' problems. And then uh, that's a great way to get there. Is that why we're here? <laughs> Did you just answer the beginning question? <laughs> Okay. Contemplation 17. Are we going to finish? We might finish. Sorry, there's, a, there's like a lot packed into every class. Um, okay. The world may be full of beggars, but finding someone to do me harm is truly a rare occurrence, since there could never be a person who hurt me anyway at all if I did not them first. Suppose that without an ounce of effort you came across a hidden, a treasure chest hidden in your house. You should thus feel grateful for your enemies who aid you in your bodhisattva practice. Since he and I both bring it about, it's fitting that from the outset itself I devote to him the final result that comes from being patient. 
He has, in the way described, provided something for me to be patient about. So, would you read the first sentences? Yeah. The world may be full of beggars, but finding someone to do me harm is truly a rare occurrence. Since there could never be a person who hurt me anyway at all, if I did not them first. If I did not what them first? Hurt them. Hurt them first. This one's kind of dense. Kind of what? Dense. This um, this part of the sutra. So this is one, kind of the title, annoying people are a rare opportunity. They are. So this is one of the Dharma teachings that don't really make sense at first. Do you, do you think that karma in this lifetime could really be from another lifetime? I, I do believe that. That's what Buddhism and that's teaches. that's how it yeah, hooks up. That, that could confuse people. It, yeah, it definitely that. can be confusing. But it, it's helpful mm-hmm. to explain why things would happen that, we, that we've never done in our lifetime. Well, supposedly we've done it all, haven't we? Right, yeah. Yeah, if you... If we accept the idea of previous lives, yes, we have any... The Buddhists do. Yeah, Buddhism does. Okay. So then we've had every relation to every being, and we've done everything. Right. Yeah. Except, except become a Buddha. Except become a <laughs> Yet. Again. <laughs> Yet we haven't done that. So when we're talking about this one, that annoying people are rare, we're probably thinking it's th- they're not rare. We run into no, them all the time. Rare. Yeah. And so when you go back and read it more carefully, what this part is actually saying is that karmically, if we can pull off what Master Shanti Deva has been talking about in this whole chapter, that annoying people will become more and more rare. Well, that, yeah, yeah. So that's what he's getting at. We'll yeah. meet fewer and fewer lousy people. Our it's karma will be right now. And we'll get to the point where we're meeting fewer and fewer of them, and our patience will be greater. And then running into someone who makes us angry will seem like a truly rare opportunity, because they're providing us the chance to fight our own tendency towards anger and to practice. So as our angry karma wears out and we're not creating any new bad karma, these people will simply disappear. They'll disappear from our lives. And this part in the class helped me so much. This totally stuck with me. From the day that you meet annoying people, dedicate your future Buddhahood to them. And think of them like your partner in reaching Buddhahood. So what's going to happen is, okay, we're going to be partners in reaching enlightenment. You're thinking about this with this person. We're gonna do this project together, you and me, okay? And you're gonna be who you are, which is irritating. 
And then I'm going to practice patience and being a bodhisattva. And so you're helping me. Like, we're in this together. And I've been thinking about this with someone in my life, and it's really helped. Now, in truth, you are helping them as well. I mean, the, the more you do for yourself, you will help everyone around right. you. Right, totally. Energetically. Yeah, and yeah, then I know that it's just can be overwhelming at times. Yeah, it's that's why it's good to have lots of different tools because then mm -hmm. you can pull different ones out because the same one doesn't work every time. No. Yeah. Because you're not the same every time. These situations yeah. can affect you immensely. Yeah. Which we are not supposed to be at the effect of. <laughs> I know, that's the goal, but of course we are now. We're just, we're just aiming at that. Okay, the next contemplation. How many do we have? I think this is the last one. It's all very interesting. Oh, we have one more. If we, if we get to it, I think we can. Okay. This is why the able one described the field of living beings and the field of the victorious. Many who succeeded in pleasing them were able in this way to reach the perfection of the ultimate. The qualities of an enlightened being are attained by means of living beings and the victorious Buddhas alike. Why then do you act this way, refusing to honor others in the way you do the victors. Okay. So, let's say DTAR. Parnu, Maje, Naga, Yangnupa, Mijedu. So basically, if we stop hurting other people, there won't be anyone else left to hurt. We'll have less and less bad people in our lives. Our lives will become sweeter and sweeter. And what how this relates to the verse is that we should treat everyone we meet with as much respect that we would have for His Holiness the Dalai Lama, our teacher, uh, whoever we highly respect. This is Master Shantideva starting to get into the proof for why we should treat others exactly as we would treat any holy being. So if we mentally respect them less and we fail to serve and love them in the same way that we would serve and love the highest being that we can think of, basically we don't know what we're doing because we're planting these negative karmic seeds. We're planting these negative habits. This, it's a really hard one. So he talks about in this class that you go to a Dharma center or a teaching and everyone's fawning over the Lama and then like treating each other like crap. So that's not the idea. 
it's probably in a lot of ways it's easier for us to feel really sweet and loving towards the the llama and it's a challenge for us to treat everyone else the same way and so we just work with it and we just try to cultivate that thought and the more we just think about it and let it enter our mind it starts to take hold over time and then it becomes natural and it and we really feel it too you know so. it's that ultimate judging you know you think you're not you, you think if you just let me say let me take it back to I if I think I'm, I'm just keeping my judgment at this low low judgment which, which I do, just for survival. But, you know, that's where the work really is. And I'm saying that's what I would get out of this class mm. today, is to just really go down to that little bitty presence. Oh, good. That sounds helpful. So, basically what he's saying is don't discriminate. Um, if we see ourselves acting this way towards some people and then turning around and acting crappy towards others, which I can think of a person I totally do this with, it's oh, not... I'm thinking it's very subtle. Yeah. You have to look at that. And it's not because we're a bad person or something. It's just that difficult feelings it's come up with some people. You do it for survival. If you really realize that you're doing it, you have an opportunity to just go fix it. Yeah, Totally. So it's good to it's good to notice. Um, okay, we're almost okay. We have we're almost done. Say Yang Dakpar. Yang Dakpar. Dupe Du. Dupe Du. Le Semchen. Le Semchen. Yi Xing. Yi Xing. Ni Sangge. Ni Sangge. Yi Xing. Yi Xing. Okay, so this one's long. Um, basically, the sutra says, the field of living beings is the place that creates our world as a Buddha field. So it creates our Buddha paradise. Could you repeat that? The field of living beings is where we create our Buddha paradise. Right. Through our kindness to all other beings, we're planting the seeds which turn into our Buddha paradise. So thinking of other beings as that, as much as we possibly can. The best way that we can serve any teacher in our lives, anything like that, is by being kind and respectful to others, especially those who irritate us. Whether or not we're around our teacher or, you know, this person we respect. So we need these other people to plant seeds for our enlightenment. And really, I mean... Yes, we should hold all of our teachers in high esteem, um, but really it's our Dharma brothers and sisters and the annoying people in our lives that push us and help us a lot. In a lot of ways, they're doing things that the, the Lama or our spiritual guide is not doing. So they have, you know, they have a different role. We need those people. It's not that it's pleasant, because it is not. <laughs> But we need the annoying person in our office to help us develop the qualities that are going to create um, seeing ourselves as an enlightened being at a certain point. 
Okay, last contemplation. We have one minute. <laughs> okay, this one. To serve living beings is to please the enlightened ones. So moreover, what better method could there be to repay the kindness of those who act unimpelled as closest friends and help to an infinite degree than to please all living beings. So, bottom line, it's, that's the ultimate way to make offerings to enlightened beings, to the Buddhas, um, to repay the kindness of him coming and teaching is to um, serve all living beings. Yeah. And that's how we can tell that our practice is, is going well in general, too. If we're feeling more open-hearted towards others, kindness, compassion. And it's, it's a bumpy road. It's up and down. But in general, it should be like a slope. You know, like a upward trajectory. Thank you for all of these reminders today. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We mostly finished on time. Yay. We'll just um we'll just sit for a moment. just relax our thinking mind and feel all of any wisdom possible absorbing into our being with the lineage pouring its wisdom into our body into our consciousness If you have them, you can say them. If not, listen. So we're doing the... I'm thinking it's on the next page. The Sashi starts with Sashi Puki, and then the second verse will be Gewadi. Maybe on page six. I see it. So one time for each. Sashi puki chukshin me tok chan Rirabin shin yente gampadin Sange shingu me te uwargi Joko namdak shingla chuparsho Yadam Guru Radna Mandalakam Niryatayami Gewadi Gewokun Sunam Yashe Sotsokshin Sunam Yashe Lechuwe Dampakuni 